0: In this episode of The Ziegler Show, I asked, what makes you feel secure about yourself and what keeps your self-image in check, even if you are unduly criticized? And if you feel this should be a simple, easy answer, the responses showcase that it is not. Uh, You'll hear in the show that it's not for me. It's not for Tom Ziegler who joined me in talking about this, but becoming acutely aware of what threatens your security and then what you need to have ready to combat it is just tremendous for our overall confidence. So I share a short clip from Zig Ziglar, where he talks about a profound analogy of how to view criticism, which at the core requires, again, awareness just of our own self-image. Welcome, everyone. I'm Kevin Miller, and I host three podcasts where we have candid discussions that matter regarding the root issues of personal change and growth. There are endless podcasts that will entertain and inform you. My goal is to educate and equip you. This is The Ziggler Show. drink ranked number two in all-time career podcasts in Apple Podcasts. And our focus is growing your professional success by helping you grow into your full capacity. In the Motive Podcast, it's devoted to helping you know what you authentically want by understanding why you really want it, which is made clear by knowing what you truly value. In episode 27, I address an issue that is a significant and massively detrimental motive for all of us. Uh, At some point, we all feel like a victim and I'll pose that it affects you and me to a degree uh, and this episode is going to help you with your overall awareness. In my True Life podcast, it's aimed at getting you fully functioning physically so your body and mind can support your desires in life. In episode 69, we hit yet another illness on a rapid rise in America, Parkinson's disease. What used to be the rare problem for some older men is now increasing rapidly in people 30 to 50 years old. And environmental issues are significant in the proliferation. So we talk through what you can do to prevent this deteriorating disease. You can find all three shows in Apple Podcasts. Just search for Kevin Miller or go to my website. Site, KevinMiller.co. And if you're new to The Ziegler Show, I invite you to visit zieglercom slash coach and connect with Tom Ziegler about becoming a Ziggler coach.
1: I love this story about an experience that Buddha had. A man met him on the street one day and began to call him mean and ugly names. Buddha listened quietly and thoughtfully until the man ran out of epithets and had to pause for breath. If you offer something to a man and he refuses it, to whom does it belong? Asked Buddha. The spiteful man replied, it belongs, I suppose, to the one who offered it. Then Buddha said, the abuse and vile names you offer me, I refuse to accept. The detractor turned and walked away. A secure individual is never made to feel inferior by the insecure people of life. Those fault finders and backbiters, the ne'er do wells, the critics of life. When we're secure within ourselves, and that really has to do with the picture. Well, how do you determine, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, what makes a person secure? Well, over and over, I've said you're what you are and where you are because of what's gone into your mind. You change what you are. You change where you are by changing what goes into your mind. Tom, we got some insightful
0: responses from people and we categorized them a little bit. And I'll, We'll hit on some of the high points of, you know, what does threaten their Security, and you know, again, the point being for us to all be cognizant of what are those things that threaten their security, our security, and then what are the things that we can do to combat them. And you know, the one that came up to me right away. I mean, I don't have like you or or like uh, Buddha in in Zig's story. There, a lot of detractors. It's usually coming from my own head. I don't even have a lot of people in my life who've ever. Really criticize me. I am my own worst critic, you know. So the idea of me realizing and now I'm so glad, glad I'm aware and I can sit down on the table and go, I I'm sitting here suffering from this imposter syndrome. It has no relevance. I'm getting ready to do a show. I've done hundreds and hundreds of shows with hundreds and hundreds of uh, people, and I've never done one. And at the end of it, they said, "Man, that was the worst show I've ever done." I've never done one and had somebody, you know, testify and say, I you are horrible at podcasting or interviewing or whatever. I've gotten the exact opposite. And I know that I know that I know that no matter how I feel at the end of it, I am going to know I did a a good job. I have put in my 10,000 hours as Malcolm Gladwell talked about in Outliers. Uh, I have great testimony. And so I know that. So I can look at it and go, I'm feeling that insecurity, this imposter syndrome. I know it's false. I can't eradicate it. I'm gonna start the show and at the end of it, I'll have proven it wrong. But it's still there. But how great that I'm aware, one, and two, I know what to draw on to make it false. There's no testimony that supports this. Every testimony is against that. And and that again was some some of the flavor I was looking for here for us all to be aware, cognizant of what are our insecurities, what triggers them. And then what can we have more and more and more at hand? And I thought of a quiver, you know, in our, in our back that we can pull out and go, I see the insecurity. I'm feeling it. I'm going to pull this out and call it out, reject it as, as Zig talked about in the story, reject it, or just say, you know, it's there. I know it's false, or maybe there is some validity, but I know I can overcome that. I'm just going to go ahead anyways. And and also just to, to, to let people know that, there's, that you're, if they're sitting there knowing they deal with insecurities, they're not only not alone, but I would venture to say if there's anyone out there that believes that they do not have any insecurities, you might seek out a mental health professional. Is that going too far?
2: <laughs> oh, my gosh, yeah. I, I don't think it's going too far. I think we all have a natural... Um, Bent to want to please other people. And there's always that. Not everybody has that bet. I do. Uh, I do. And there's always that. Yeah, (laughs) I'm falling short. Uh, When you were, when you were sharing with that, I had the strangest thing pop into my head. A conversation I had with Andy Andrews. Yeah. And it was about a book that he was writing at the time. And the book came out. Let me see. I think I just looked it up. Came out in 2012. Yeah, 2012. And the book is how How to Kill 11 Million People. Okay. So why did that pop into my head? Well, how do? You, so he was talking about the Holocaust, and the way you kill 11 million people is you lie to them. You lie to people over and over and over. And you start with little bitty lies and they keep building and building and everybody just accepts the new truth. Mm -hmm. And so when I think of insecurity, it starts with the little lies. You know, am I dressed right? Uh, Did I brush my teeth? You know, did I prepare enough? You know, what if what if I got the wrong time and all these and eventually you've lost your house and you're homeless? I mean, you know, it's like they just kind of escalate into it. Uh, and so you know so how do we protect against that insecure thing and it's the byline of andy's book the truth matters
0: mm-hmm.
2: yeah and that's where we get into trouble is when we start accepting a lie in replace of a the truth then you get then then the insecurities can run rampant
0: Okay, let me throw this. Let's let's play with this, Tom. Because as you know, a lot of us have insecurities from our own criticism, from somebody else's criticism, whatever. But we realize there is some truth in it. I mean, I've definitely been, you know, I say I don't have criticism. My gosh, you know, I have people close to me that thank goodness will give me constructive criticism. And, and there is some truth in it. I mean, so your dad in the clip that we just shared, you know, is kind of making a preposterous exaggeration of that. And, you know, Buddha and somebody just defiling him or whatever. And you can easily say, okay, that's, you know, somebody who's just exerting their own pain, kind of that hurt people, hurt people type thing over there. But most of us are dealing with some insecurities where we believe there is some truth to it. We were called out on something that, that we did do. And so we believe it. We, we believe it. And, and maybe, gosh, maybe let's go further. Maybe there is, I mean, again, there, there is some truth. That is a part of me. So do I take that though? How do I take that thing and obviously be working to overcome that? So I am not that thing, but that also even within a criticism, my wife is really good at saying, if she does bring up something about me, she'll preface it. Cause I, I, I have a hard time with criticism from especially those closest to me and she'll say Kevin it's just this one thing it's not all of you you're you're a beautiful pie I'm talking about a sliver that I'm struggling with here but it's not all of you and it's really good because I, I take it as it's all of me really all I've done to this point doesn't add up to enough to overcome, uh, overcome that. And she's going well. That, if I never can point out a, you know, a flaw or something that struggles, then we don't have a real relationship. Of course you do some things, but it's just this one thing. So how do I even take that that has some truth or maybe it's totally true, but not me become insecure, holy, you know, as a result of that and I think a lot of folks are struggling with that. And we want to easily say, oh, just throw it off. But they'll go, but nope, there's some truth in it. Okay, but how do you still be secure? So, Tom, fix that for us.
2: Yeah, so you give me the easy ones. Uh-huh. It reminds me of the story that Dad used to tell. Um, I think it was Dad. And it was about an opera singer and a young girl, just amazing voice. I mean, once-in-a-lifetime type voice. And she got all the acclaim and her parents brought in the greatest opera teacher in the world to work with her one-on-one. And they spent hours and hours together refining her voice and she continued to improve. And then as fate would have it, they fell in love. They ended up getting married. But then the challenges began because every time the teacher would hear the student's voice, he would only point out what was wrong. Yeah. And in that steady drip of critique, she lost her passion. Hmm. And she quit singing altogether. And then something happened. I don't know if, he, if, he, if uh, her husband died or if, if something else happened, but she was single again, <laughs> fell in love, got remarried. It had been like 20 years since she'd sang. And one day she was singing and uh, getting dressed in the other room. And her husband came in and said, you just melted my soul. I've never heard anything like that. And so that's what she heard from then on. And she went on to have an amazing, amazing career. Hmm. And so how do we handle things that are true without losing our security? And I think it has to do with the balance between focusing on the solution and focusing on the problem. Nice. Because all she heard was the problem, the problem, the problem, the problem. All she heard was I'll never measure up. I'll never do, I'll never be perfect. And <clears throat> I just finished another book by Charles Martin. Uh, and it was a long, the long, long way home or something like that. And he talks, it's all about music. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, he, he just said, "You know, it's 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 not the chords that are in the music that makes the song. It's the chords that you leave out. It's not everybody perfectly tuned and in the same pitch that makes the song memorable and heart changing. It's the one that's just a little off, but yet is still beautiful that that makes that package."
0: Yeah,
2: and I think that's what we've got to be resonate with, and and so when I And and we've seen it in the pandemic. The companies that have been 100% focused on results, they have been hammered because they keep trying to implement systems and processes that are no longer valid in the new world that we're in. But the companies who are focused on growth pivot quickly and figure out, how do I solve this next problem? And so I think the way we keep our security in place is from a believer you know faith is a big piece for me my ultimate security is guaranteed and so what's this journey we're on about it's about the growth it's a not it's not about being perfect in every action that we do it's about learning for every action that we do making sure we have the right motive and intent behind it and then learning and growing to the next place
0: Yes. Well, Hey, that was a good fix, Tom. Thanks. You met that one. Uh, I do. Argue...
2: This podcast,
0: this episode didn't take long. <laughs> okay. Well done. I, I do want to point out, you mentioned Charles Martin and if folks, if you're not aware of him, we had him on the show. Episode 829. Charles Martin is a fiction author and that's You're, you're listening or you said you're reading a uh, long, uh, the long road home, the long way home. And that was the first one I read. I was given it, given the book by a friend. So great, and he—the uh, movie rights have been bought for that. So uh, hopefully, we'll see that come uh, to a movie. I am reading one as well right now. Reading it, one is it was Long Way Gone. Long, long Way Gone. Way there gone. you go. There you go. Yeah, and it's—and uh, I, I like that one because it starts off in Buena Vista and Leadville, Colorado. Which, yeah, yeah I've got a daughter in Leadville. We ski there and those areas a lot. And then it goes to Tennessee, Brentwood, Franklin area that's where I came from. So he's, following was, he's stalking, he stalking you He's stalking me. Yeah. But man, you, if you want incredible story writing, just, you know, the kind of book you can't put down that also just has goodness and integrity and morality and uh, redemption in it, man, Charles is your guy. Uh, he's so, the guy. Yeah. I'll, I'll, will text or uh, email him and let him know that you're, uh, reading and that it came up. Well, I really appreciate what you just said on that, you know, Tom, and you know, let's go through, you know, some of the things that people called out that helped them deal with their insecurities. So I think about the things that they use their arsenal to combat the insecurities that, again, I believe we all feel I have never had anyone on the show that I can think of that has not in the show expressed as part of their journey to success and achievements Uh, that has not, not only battled with insecurity, but they battle with it today. They didn't get rid of it. Again, I I really want to stress that because we all have this perspective. I think we tend to have this perspective, especially in the personal development, self-help world, that we're supposed to eradicate any weakness. You got fear. We got to get rid of that. No fear as the old brand talks about. And same thing there. If you don't have any fear, again, I would counsel you to see a mental health professional. I mean, that's part of humanity. It's part of us and to eradicate it. Am I ever not going to have fear? Am I ever not going to have insecurity? I don't even expect to, I do expect to manage it better. And like I said, to call it out and go, man, I know that you're false, but it keeps me humble. It keeps me human. And it's just as it just is. I don't have to over, well, no, I don't have to eradicate it to overcome it. I can just climb over it. It's still there. It may show up again. And that's what I see from all these people we have on the show that have had these great success are having these great successes is those thing, things they didn't eradicate and get rid of every weakness. They just became aware of it. They can call it out and they figured out what helps me get beyond this. It makes me think of uh, Ruth Sukup we had on the show. And she was talking about as I often do talk about habits and she talked about her physical wellness. She knows the value of her physical wellness, she hates working out. All these years later of working out, she says, "I still hate it." She did not overcome that. She did not, or she did not. I'm sorry. She did not eradicate that feeling, and she says, "I still don't like it." And so, uh, to overcome it, I hired a personal trainer that shows up at my house, and I have no, uh, I have nothing I can do except get up. If I'm in my jammies, I got to stand up, go to the door, let them in, and we're gonna do the workout. And I, she said, "Now I love the benefits." Here I am thinking clearly, feeling good, looking good, uh, but I do not like, so she didn't eradicate it. And, and she really presented it in a way of, she has no intent or, or, or even hope for eradicating it, but by golly, she's gotten over it and she's getting the benefits. So how can we do that? You are listening to The Ziegler Show in this episode on managing insecurities, especially in the face of criticism. And next, we address the power of having faith in a higher power, something greater than ourselves. It truly is a primary pillar for dealing with our own insecurities. Here are some great products and services, then we'll get right back to it. So, you know, we had a few people, Katarzyna, uh, Faye here that talked about uh, God. Uh, Katarzyna said, yeah, great question. God, it's interesting because I recently surrendered to the brokenness of my marriage and I find myself on the cusp of the divorce. I'm self-employed. My income is not consistent at all. I'll be starting with nothing, establishing a whole new household from nothing with two kids. And there's a lot of uncertainty. Yet when I consider flying solo, I have a greater sense of security and peace of all kinds than I do upon Uh, that that I had upon considering, uh, or or that I would have stayed where I was. That can only come from God. Uh, Faye here, she says, Faye Bryant, remembering where I was in my thinking and how God has changed that knowing what he says about me and giving myself grace, even when others don't to which I replied, Tom, just on Facebook. I said, well, what were you thinking? What was the past thinking? And she said, previously, she said, I was thinking the thoughts instilled by the bully in school. And my abusive husband recalling the treatment of others that showed me I was worthless, useless with no talent or reason to live. Those thoughts took me to the brink of suicide until God stepped in and changed my way of thinking. And I said, thank you. What are the specific labels you embrace today? And she says, Kevin, it's, it's that I'm worthy, that I'm talented. I'm smart, beautiful, cherished, called and, and purposed, um, And just on that folks, you can hear these, I wait, I have these conversations every week with people leading up. That's what makes these shows that we do so rich. Uh, if you want to find me on Facebook, you can do so at agent K Miller. That's my personal or at Kevin Miller. CO is the business, but, uh, I post these questions every week and the shows are so rich because of your responses and the discussions when I ask questions to clarify. So that Tom, so here she is with this programming, let's say a narrative from the past, who doesn't have a negative narrative from the past, whether it's from somebody, from abuse, from yourself, whatever. And she's saying, I'm going to paraphrase that she can take that captive now and overcome it with these new, this new narrative that she knows is true. Back to what you said, Tom, what is the truth? I mean, is she, is, are any of us just, well, it's your dad. God don't make no jump. Do we believe that or not? So I got to put that at a high place, a higher power. Is there anything, if, is there anything bigger than a higher power to help us with our insecurities?
2: Yeah. I mean, to me, ultimately, no, there's not. Uh, but here's the thing. Uh, you've got to do the work too. I know Dr. Carolyn Leaf, who's just fantastic. Yeah. Uh, she has a a mind renewal process. Romans 12, two talks about renewing the mind and we can actually recreate our memories into positive versus negative. We can, we can reform the dendrites in our brain by intentionally and purposely looking at and, and going into there and reframing that memory from traumatic, devastating, life-threatening, inhibiting to, What did I learn? How does this make me better able to handle another situation? Who can I support uh, because of this experience that nobody else can? We can transform that in our mind, but guess what? We have to do that work. We, We are the ones who have to say, I'm gonna stop indulging the negative death spiral and start embracing the positive steps to where I wanna go. Uh, And and this is what I've noticed is that, you know, you hear uh, it, it happens in sports a lot. You know, they'll say it's the process. Trust the process, the process, the process, the process. What are they really saying? They're saying do the habits, do the steps that when done often enough, intensely enough, intentionally enough, will get the result. And so when we are insecure, when our mind starts to run in the wrong direction, what we need to do is have the trainer show up at our door at 7am Yeah, saying we're working out and it takes some discipline. And so how do you do that? You, you do it first, you, you gain control. I, you know, maybe we talked about this uh, last time, but I heard the, the three words, we got a thinker, we got a feeler and we got a chooser. So, hmm. our thinkers, our brain, and it and it goes to work on all of the things that it, we wanted to, or it just kind of goes right. Our feelers, our heart, it's our emotion, and it goes up and down. And our chooser is our mind, and it tells our brain what to think. Uh, and one of the lies of our culture is, hey, you know what? Go with your gut. Go, go with your instinct. If you're feeling something, it's probably right. But you can't take that to its logical conclusion. If somebody feels like they want to shoot somebody, do you tell them, go with your gut? You're right. You know, if, if somebody's, right. right? If somebody's going to commit suicide or create self-harm, do you say, hey, if that's what you feel like, no. So what we have to do is understand that, that mind that we have we have the power, the authority over our mind yeah. to take control. And it can tell our brain what to do. Yeah, and, and when we tell our brain what habits to implement, what things to do, that starts impacting our feeler, our emotions. And so if you have a self-doubt or uh, an insecurity issue, then what are the habits that you can build in your daily life that counteract that? That, that give you that advantage that you can do it i
0: appreciate you saying that we have to do the work um you know we've all anybody in church has probably heard about that person you know, they're so heavenly minded they're no earthly good and i have known people who claim in concrete their belief in god in a higher power and yet I don't see it have any impact positively in their life because yes, there's still the work, you know, for us to do. And you mentioned Dr. Carolyn leaf. We had her on show 805 and it was titled, you are not a victim of your biology. We could just as well say of your, you know, your psychology as well. And that narrative that we tend to all, all have struggle with that negative narrative. Um, Here's another one, uh, Tom, just well thought out response. Jennifer, she says, uh, I can't claim anything out of the gift I was given at birth, which was nurtured. Uh, by my, uh, that nurtured my already my tendency towards high self esteem. I was born into a wealth of royal lineage, as every single one of my family members is a Christian, as well as myself, and I consider myself the child of a king. My earthly parents are loving, supportive. They did not tolerate acting below our beliefs. So I have been very well equipped to handle the junk that the world has thrown my way in terms of tearing down the high self esteem that I am worthy. I've had plenty of moments of despair and feeling like a loser, but the inner voice in me always pulls me through. When I'm unduly criticized, I feel immediate outrage which lasts about an hour until I can step back and see it's wounded people that do that and I'm once again reminded of how lucky I am. What would interest me is to ask people who aren't Christians who didn't come from a loving home and who didn't have the necessities of life given to them, how they keep their self image in check like spoiled royalty. My fight is to keep from pride, which is why God must find it amusing to keep me in a state of constant financial struggle. Uh, But you know, she uh, inciting that. Yeah. How I I maybe just think of gratitude, another way to deal with the insecurities with the lies, as you talked about is looking at what we have to be, Grateful for. And there, again, I'm going to call myself out. I, if I looked at my life and what would a billion dollars change? Not really anything to make my life better than already. I have so much to be grateful for. Where on earth do I get off having doubt, having worry, getting negative. And yet the truth is I'm still human enough and that still happens. And I, as you said, Tom, do the daily work, the daily renewing of my mind. Which, and Zig says right at the end of the message or, or the clip that we played, that uh, it's the positive input. I'm a result of the positive or negative input I'm I'm getting. So if I'm getting negative input, how am I counteracting that
2: with the positive? Um, I mean, I, so let's talk. Let's yeah. talk about the subtle the subtle lies. Okay. That we get. Well, there's a subtle lie of personal truth. Oh, well, that's their personal truth. Yep. Okay, so what do I mean by that? Well, you can have personal experience, and I 100% affirm you in that. Right. I'll respect you for it. I'll affirm you in your experience. I don't understand it. I don't try to. You know, I I don't claim to understand it. but you cannot transform the personal experience into a personal truth because truth can't contradict itself. You can have an opinion about the truth, but the, I can, you and I can have an opinion about gravity, but it doesn't change what gravity is, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's there. So, so what does that mean? Well, here's, here's the conundrum. You cannot be, I'll just pick a hot topic, You cannot believe in personal truth and be anti-racist. It's impossible because somebody else's personal truth that you validate could be racist. Mm -hmm. Right? The truth is it's wrong to be racist, whether it's your personal truth or not. It's just that thing. And so when somebody says, hey, you know, lean into your personal truth what they're telling you to do is embrace things that aren't true because it doesn't matter to me whether it's personal or not. Gravity, <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, I, I take gravity personal every day because if I don't, I'm going to get hurt. But gravity doesn't care. About my personal truth. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. And so... The, the words that we use. And, 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 and so, you know, well, my personal truth is X happened to me, therefore Y is the end result. Right. I can, you know, it's, it's in the book born to win. We talk about twin brothers. Yeah. One of them ended up in prison on a 20 year sentence. The other one started 10 businesses and gave millions to charity. And they asked them both, how did that happen? And one of them said, well, it's my father. He was an alcoholic, abusive uh, dad and, and husband, and he beat us, and he was horrible. Of course I'm ending up in prison. I'm just like him. And the other brother said, well, it's my dad. I spent my whole life trying to be the opposite of my dad. Of course I'm going to give millions to charity and have a loving family because I was dedicated to being the opposite. Yep. And so... The truth in those two things is what you sow is what you reap. Yeah. And so if you focus on this is my excuse for making bad choices, that's one path. Or this is my reason for making good choices. The same example. The same example the same exam- inspired
0: both of us. It t- totally. Yeah. And, I, and I was going to say the excuse to feel insecure, the, the, the excuse yeah. to be insecure. And, you know, I'm going to put that even in the light of being a victim. We are all victimized, but it's, ba- it's, it's on us to go forward being a victim or not. Same thing here. There's going to be things given to us that can make us feel insecure. It's on us, whether we
2: embrace that and believe it and go forth forever insecure. Yep. And so believe me, when I run across a story of somebody's life and what they've been through and they've made some bad choices out of that, uh, there's no condemnation coming for me. I don't know what I would have done in that situation. Yeah, I just try to bring in hope and and say, "Hey, what did you learn and what if what if we made a different choice now and we let that we let the old go and started embracing. The right way what would be different then yeah and then the insecurity pops up well i can't do that because this is who i am yep. and i love the phrase and i've heard different people use it but you could say until now huh? Yeah. <laughs> you got to train your mind yeah. yeah well i'm always late until now yeah well i never get papers done on time until now yeah right? You, you've got to, you, you've got to change it. And it doesn't matter whether you in the beginning, whether you believe in it or not. If if you don't believe that you're going to lose weight cutting your calories in half, I, I don't care whether you believe it or not. Let's try it for a month and see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Let's just see what happens.
0: You know, you talking about trauma, we uh, had Tana Amen on the show, episode 865, and it was actually titled Stronger from Trauma. She has a pretty harsh story of her upbringing. And we talked a little bit about that, about how she was able to. You know, reframe deal with that and we're actually going to dig into that specific topic more just on the literal aspects of trauma how that affects us how to deal with that because uh, in that we talked a lot about our story but we're going to talk about that uh, in an upcoming episode of the true life podcast and if you're not connected with us there i would encourage you go go subscribe over there so we're going to talk about that uh, in an upcoming one but and i do want to pull out real quick tom because of what you said on the brothers. Uh, you know it's interesting I have in my life I know a couple of brothers who came from very hard circumstances and they did. One kind of became uh like the father and and it feels I think how could he not? The other one went the other way. I've seen it so starkly. And just the reality that yeah, if you and I are together and we experience the same event, we're going to see it through different filters who's true, who's right. What is the truth? You know, what is the the reality of that? And uh, I know that that's difficult. We we get to look at that though, as far as what we believe to be the truth, that is our perspective of something that happened. And yeah, so to, you know, just believe your personal truth, man, what a hard statement. My personal truth, I have a perspective It's not the truth. And here's something that I, speaking of the true life show, my co-host on there and our doctor, Dr. Randy James has talked a lot lately. It's really got me thinking about, let's say it's specifically like a trauma, something that affects us, that impacts our security. Let's say it happened 30 years ago. I had a perspective on that event 30 years ago. There was a perspective. It was not an absolute truth. It was a perspective. And then I grew five years older. Most people, when they think back five years, they think, I was a really different person five years ago. Man, I've grown and changed. And now you look at that event with a different perspective. Now go forward 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, 30 years, that thing that you experienced and had a perspective on as a 10 year old, you're now trying to have a perspective on and you're 50. It's impossible for you to have the same perspective. You are not the same person. So what really happened back then? What is the truth? And it really brings us to the opportunity of saying, how can we reframe these things? How can we look at those with better health? I'm, a, I'm a, And that 10-year-old Kevin is gone, obliterated, doesn't exist. All we got now is 50 year old. And for me to look back, question what I thought I saw. And again, I know people had, my goodness, you know, some, some just bottom line tragic thing happen that you're not going to, if you were, you know, beaten up and abused by your dad, there's no way of changing that, but you can change how you see that. How, how can that strengthen you as opposed to weaken you? Uh, So much work to be done. So thanks for for bringing that up. You know, another one here, Tom, Mary Ann she says, I feel secure knowing that I have strong values and that I make decisions and live my daily life based on those values. I know I'm not perfect. I make mistakes. But when I am unduly criticized, I can go back to my values and know that my intention was good. We're never going to shoot 100%. I have to always go back to values and intention and that has been relevant for me, Tom, because there have been some things where I've made mistakes. I've made mistakes. and I look at them. I was called out on something and, and, and I see it and go, ah, you know what? That was a bad decision. And I even approached that maybe with a bad perspective, even, a, even an errant spirit in the moment. But I also know I meant good. I mean, I really did. I didn't mean bad. I didn't go in maliciously. I don't know if I've ever gone anything maliciously in my life, but I've gone in with, gosh, just, just my own insecurities, you know, my own self-interest um, or an unhealthy, an unhealthy perspective and, and made a bad choice. And it, it, bought, it hurt somebody even maybe. But I can come back to that. What are my values? I know that I'm out to do well for people. I'm, I'm out to do good and rest some. it doesn't absolve me. And I may need to go repent to that person, make amends, ask for forgiveness, but that I do appreciate what Marianne said there to come back and go, man, I, I didn't mean well, I'm not, I'm not out to hurt anybody. And I wasn't then I had no ill will, no malice. And to give myself really, we're talking about giving myself some grace is what I'm saying in there. But I thought that was a stout one. It's just to come back to what are your values? I don't think anybody's listening. Nobody would be listening to the show if they didn't have good values to fall back on. Don't you think?
2: Amen to that. And that is what I have spent uh, the last year pouring into my new book. And I shouldn't even mention it. It's not going to be out for six months, but go ahead. Come our on. listeners, you deserve a sneak peek. Absolutely. So the book is 10 Leadership Virtues for Disruptive Times. And so, when you look at uh, leading others, um, you know, being, being an example, the influence and example in your own family that your family members can follow, and you make a poor decision, right, or something doesn't turn out the way you want it to, a great way uh, of, of, of introspection to figure out what's going on is to look at your virtues, your core values, mm-hmm. and ask yourself, did I make a decision out of alignment with my core values? Hmm. And so what I dug into is from a, from a leadership perspective in times of disruption, what are the 10 virtues that we need to develop in ourselves so that the automatic, response is in, is in alignment with these values. And so yeah. kindness and respect and humility, I'm not gonna go through all 10, but those are all there. And so you talked about, well, you know, was my intent, right? Well, I dig into it. Well, if you're gonna respect somebody, that means you gotta see their perspective. And a lot of times, when we make a decision, we wish we could take back. It's because we're making it from our perspective without even examining where they're coming from. Yeah, right. Yeah, and and so that's where that that deep uh, intentional work goes on in us. If if you were doing what Franklin did, Ben Franklin did and and working on virtues every single day, and honing those like you like you build a habit and a process in your life. To intentionally work on your virtues, and then you stay in alignment with those virtues, then the quality of your choices are going to continue to go up. Absolutely, and it becomes second nature. Yeah. Well, hey, I can't make a decision yet. I don't know what they're thinking. I don't know what their perspective is.
0: Yeah. Right?
2: Yeah. And that's how you stay out of it. I yeah. So I love that answer. I do too.
0: I do too. Well, here's here's one more. I'll have us I'll have us land on Tom. That I appreciated, uh, R.B. Williams. He says, "Having goals in all areas of my life, then it doesn't matter what others think of me because I know where I'm going, and that's all that matters." Now I responded back to him. You know, I said, "Goals." And to me, if you have goals, you have some purpose. I don't know if there's any better medicine, to some degree, or it's an awful powerful one, to have purpose, to look at. To, to I, I think when I see people who are really suffering, handicapped. From insecurities, they're usually not real clear. Not only on their purpose that they, but that they have purpose. Kind of back to Zig saying, "God don't make no junk." Do we believe that we were made for a purpose, with a purpose? That there is something that we that we have value to others, to humanity. Uh, when we do that, I think it's a great medicine for dealing with insecurities. If we feel of value to others, which is why that's where we find the most purpose is in being of value to others. So when I hear people have goals, so even that just setting goals and having a direction that we feel called to pretty strong medicine for dealing with our insecurities. And Tom, you've, you've lived in that soup for a long time.
2: Yeah, I took our, uh, some of our Ziegler coaches through a a mastermind that I called the, the bridge to purpose. Mm. And so here's the idea is we take the time to identify and clarify what our purpose is, our big, why, what is, what is, and so to me, goal is a mechanism that we implement to achieve our purpose. And so a lot of people get goals and purpose confused Uh, we can have a goal to achieve our purpose. That's awesome. Right. But our purpose is what are we here for? What is it? And, and then uh, we broke it down and we said, okay, we've got this big why this big purpose. So most people on the show know my purpose is to create the atmosphere that allows you to become the person God created you to become. That's my purpose. That's, that's what I wake up. That's, that's what I try to live out every day. So then I took the seven areas of life mental, spiritual, physical, family, financial, personal, and career. And I created a purpose for each one of those. What's the purpose of my mental life? Mm -hmm. Well, guess what? It's got to support my bigger purpose. Mm -hmm. And then in my mental life, I think of the virtues and the habits that I need to build that will fulfill my mental purpose, that will fulfill my overall life purpose, And so when RB says, Hey, when I have goals in my life and that just hits home with me because this quote, I came across Howard Partridge, uh, first first person who said this, this is great for all of our business people out there. He said, your business exists for one reason. And one reason only as a vehicle to help you achieve your life goals. Yeah. And then I started talking to a bunch of business owners and I said, what's your life goal? And they're like, to have a successful business. And I go, no, that's why your business exists. What's your life goal? Life goal is another word for purpose. Yeah. And so one of the challenges that we see all the time is it's easy to become insecure in what you're doing because you don't have a clearly defined purpose. So in the bridge to purpose mastermind, we called it, uh, we identified PPAs. PPA stands for purpose producing activity. And so if you want security, you identify your purpose, and then you identify the purpose producing activities that you can do every day in all seven areas of your life And you get busy working on that. And then the RB says, it doesn't matter what others think. Absolutely, 100%. (laughs) If the activities you're doing every day are taking you to your purpose in all seven areas of your life, boom.
0: You saying that about Howard's statement on business, which is so insightful, um, so powerful that the business is for that bigger purpose in our life it just reminds me i think when we take and i want to point it out anytime we take what we do our role our activity and that is who we are that's our image you're in you're in for some danger uh, it's no different people often cite that with parents you know when you are the parent and your self image your entire life's devotion is in that kid at some point they're going to leave and then we know that the empty nest you know syndrome and people who struggle Uh, with that is very dangerous. And I see, we don't talk about it as much, but see the same thing with business. Why you see people in their image is that thing that they do. And uh, it's, it's probably one of the beneficial things for me to end a career. You know, I was, I was a pro cyclist that stopped. What am I now? I can't be that forever. Athletics is a, probably a good equaling field because you can't be a you can't be at the top forever. At some point you gotta figure out I am something else now. And it's interesting because you see some people who try to hold on to that imagery forever. And they are forever known as the ex, you know, pro athlete or whatever it was. And they didn't establish who they are outside of what they do. So thanks for pulling that out. I mean, it's just a you know, as always, such a uh, great endeavor for us to look at these things that slow us down, that handicap us, that keep us from being the fullest aspects of ourselves, and this one of being insecure. We are all, we all deal with insecurity. Tom, you and I have talked about it. Here we are at uh, in our 50s, and we wake up, and some days that insecurity creeps up. Thank goodness we have become more aware of it, and we know the things to combat it. So we can, even though we can't always eradicate it, we can overcome it. But, uh, I, it's a, it's something that I need, but it's kind of like the, uh, you know, how, how often do you need that motivation, inspiration pretty much every day, just like that shower. This is something that we deal with that we're not going to have the expectation that we wake up someday
2: and we have no more insecurities. Absolutely. One more thing as we wrap up, um, I'm like overflowing with excitement because we're finally going to get to have a live event. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> yes. So we are in June, we're going to have several live events, but the one I want to talk about, cause we talked about, uh, Dr. Carolyn Leaf. Yeah. Uh, on June 17th and 18th, we're going to have our very first ever Ziegler coach summit. So we're going to spend two days on coaching Uh, so this is for coaches, Ziegler coaches, people who are already coaches, maybe people who are interested in becoming a Ziegler coach, but we're going to get in the trenches on how do you build a successful coaching practice? How do you become a successful coach? And Dr. Leaf is our our closing speaker and her topic is going to be, uh, how to make the mess out of your mind, how to get the mess out of your mind or something like that. So it's just a, uh, a powerful tie in to to what we talked about today because we create our own messes and it's because we we believe and buy into things that are not true yeah we don't gain clarity on what it is that we want to accomplish and then we don't implement the habits and the systems that get us there yeah i mean howard Uh, who we just talked about, man, his big deal is FTI, failure Failure to to implement. Yeah, The reason that people don't do as well as they should is they just don't implement. So what's the package? The pack, what a coach does and what we're going to be talking about, the coach summit is part of it is the mindset. It's the belief of what I should be doing. And then it's the actual follow through in the implementation of what I know I should do. And so, uh, man, what a great, what what a great time! Because if if we all just implemented what we know we should do, how much different would life be? Yeah, quit stepping
0: on my toes, Tom. But thank <laughs> you. <laughs> I, I need to be in the front row uh, as always. Well, always getting better, man. Thank you. Always a gift, my brother. I truly hope this episode helped you gain clarity on some of the things that trigger your insecurities and what you can do to combat them. Again, the key isn't getting past the insecurities and never having them again, but just learning how to manage them instead of them managing you. Coming up in episode 877, I take a dive into personality styles and the Enneagram. I imagine many of you, maybe most, are familiar with it. So this is not an overview of what the Enneagram is and what your personality style is, but a deeper dig into how we should view and benefit from what we believe our individual propensities are. And I continue to grapple myself with nature versus nurture and with personality profiles and again, our propensities and how we are best served to understand it all. So I brought On an expert, Beth McCord. She's one of the foremost experts on the Enneagram uh, with a really large following. She also marries a faith based perspective in with the discussion. Till then, thank you as always for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together.